Welcome everyone, I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner and today we're speaking with Brian Hoyer all about EMF. Brian Hoyer is the founder of Shielded Healing and he is a certified nutritional therapy practitioner, geobiologist, speaker, author, husband, and father of three girls. He's done extensive training with the Klinghart Academy and was certified as a geobiologist by GeoVital. It's an Austrian naturopathic clinic that has been specializing in EMF and geopathic stress since 1983. So we cover a lot today and I hope you find this super helpful. This is a topic that I've become increasingly passionate about and just want people to have the vocabulary, the language, and the solutions to really implement this in their health. So enjoy the podcast. Welcome, Brian. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Well, I've known about your work for a while now, but I've um, had the pleasure of meeting you um, through your work with helping us to upgrade the shielding of Dr. Klinghart's room. And, you know, we've gone, to, gone down the rabbit hole together, and I just thought it would just be so informative to share with our audience, you know, more about your work. And, you know, the conversation around EMF, I believe it's getting, you know, there's more information, there's more knowledge, but I think the tactical steps are still, um, you know, still need to be demystified, right? Still people have a lot of misinformation or they feel overwhelmed and they're not sure, you know, quite how to put this information into action into their home and to help protect themselves and their families. So I'm hoping we can really, um, you know, give people a lot of tangible information today. So I'm excited to interview you. Definitely. Yeah, I'll do my best. I know it's, it's definitely been getting more complex as thing, as technology has advanced. And I think that one of the things that I realized really early on was that, because it's getting more complex, we need to kind of upgrade what we're doing as practitioners and really match that and rise to the occasion. So mm-hmm. that's what we, that's what we've been trying to do. Yeah, no, and you're <laughs> doing a great job at that. And I think you're absolutely, you know, upgrading, you know, your way of doing things to meet these demands. So I, I absolutely, absolutely see that in you. So, um, so Brian, I, I know people are probably wondering a little bit, you know, if they haven't heard about you and your work, they're probably wondering, you know, a little bit about how you really got into this field and how you really became an expert in the field of EMF um, evaluation and mitigation? Yeah, so I started off as a nutritional therapy practitioner uh, through the Nutritional Therapy Association, and which is a great organization if you're a, kind of a layperson wanting to get into the holistic health field. But through that, you know, I, I took some continuing education. I had some mentors that had been through the Klinghart training and everything, and I decided to go ahead and and do that because there were some of my best mentors and, and they were very successful in their practices and everything. And I just felt like that was a good direction for me to go. And through that experience, you know, taking all the, most of the ART trainings and then doing ART three with Dr. Klinghart, something that he said in, in one of the lectures just struck me, you know, as so true with, with my uh, clients that I was working on with my nutrition practice. And he talked about how, you have to deal with this EMF issue because it's it's something that's so essential that you just people do not get well, especially those that are chronically ill. They do not get well unless they've implemented some of these solutions. And he had a specific way of talking about this. Like we have to, you know, as a practitioner does talk about these things, we have to rule out this stressor and this other stressor. And there's, you know, there's 
four different types of EMFs that a lot of building biologists talk about. I've kind of upgraded that to six different types that we test for in homes. And so, you know, as a practitioner, you're looking at all these stressors, wanting to eliminate them as, as a, a factor in the person's illness. And so when he talked about uh, that in that lecture, that really inspired me to get out and start searching for these solutions. And geopathic stress was one of those big things that he talked about I could not find a solution for. So I found a clinic in Austria that I was able to train with to fit that piece into what I wanted to do and decided that, you know, we, we really need to upgrade how we're thinking about solving these issues. It's not just about what's inside the house. It's about what's raining in from outside that's pouring down into our homes and penetrating us and creating an unhealthy space to live in. And the goal should really be just as we're trying to recreate an ancestral lifestyle, a diet and a lifestyle with nutrient-dense whole foods, we also need to be thinking about what we're putting our bodies into in the environment and and how we can recreate that healing ancestral environment in your home and especially in your bedroom. And so with with that, there's like this priority system. And so I kind of developed that along the way. And as I've had success, things have just kind of snowballed. And I have people all the time that are wanting me to train <laughs> train them now. And so I finally got a team together and, and uh, we offer the, these services all over the country. But that's kind of how start start to finish slowly how things developed over the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. I love that, right? When you find also, you know, uh, that thing that you're passionate about and that really, you know, is, you know, I believe the work that you're doing are really aligned with your purpose. And that's kind of how things, you know, have just really lined up. And I know that Dr. Klinghart has, you know, he's been, I've been working with him since 2010. And, you know, he's sound a little crazy to people for a long time. You know, he's been talking about EMF, you know, from the early 2000s and, you know, just having this really um, deep understanding that this is not a small issue, but a a big issue. And this is one of the maybe biggest threats and stresses to our bodies at this time. And so, no, I am really, um, I'm so happy that things lined up so well for you to do this work. And I know that you're helping so many people, Brian. So it's, it's fun to hear the journey. And so, um, so maybe again, I know that most of my audience has heard about EMF and that they are pretty well versed. But again, if we have a new listener or somebody who's still overwhelmed by this concept, can you just give us a brief kind of 101 or intro of like, what are we talking about when we're talking about EMF? When we're talking about EMF, we're talking about electromagnetic fields. And the confusing part is that there's all kinds of electromagnetic fields, everything All of matter, everything has a relationship with with magnetism, and it either aligns or does not align with the magnetic field. So all the minerals in your body align or don't align with the magnetic field, and and there are natural types of electromagnetic fields and unnatural ones. And so uh, when we're talking about EMF, what we're really talking about is mostly the man-made electromagnetic fields, and those, those are the types of fields that are pulsed. Uh, they're called alternating current. AC electricity is a pulsed field. The radio frequencies are pulsed fields uh, that aren't natural. And uh, in nature, we get analog or direct current fields. So we get a direct current from the earth. It's not pulsating. It's all going in one direction. But these pulsed fields, the body has never experienced before about 150 to 200 years ago. And on a vast scale, We've never experienced them uh, until maybe the last 60 years. 
So what, what we're finding is that it's not just the ionizing type of radiation, like with nuclear radiation and, and those types of things that are affecting people's bodies. It's, it's these non-ionizing and non-thermal radiation also has a phys- physiological effect and it's more than just diagnosing a person with dis- disease. It's it's also seeing symptoms and, and physiological changes in the body that are not natural that halt different types of healing responses. And so it, it's everything, you know, all the artificial uh, types of EMF that we're exposed to are things like the electricity in your walls, the magnetic field from a motor spinning. Uh, the pulse, you know, light is also a type of electromagnetic field in the visible spectrum. So light is actually a type of EMF and a lot of people don't realize that, but the light is running off of the 60 Hertz pulsating electricity from the electricity in our walls. And that causes a lot of the lights to flicker Mm. at that same rate. And so that to the human body is a stressor. And anything that's pulsed tends to be a type of can can be a type of physiological stressor on the nervous system and the body, and it causes all sorts of different stress responses, inflammation, oxidative stress, which we'll probably get into later. But that the whole idea is that these fields were never around before a certain amount of time before, so humans didn't have time to adapt to this, and now all of a sudden it's we're surrounded by it, and we don't have that natural environment anymore so the body is constantly trying to figure out what in the world is this information that i'm getting from my surroundings what does that mean and it's and it's perceiving it as a stressor mm-hmm. and so that's why you know people look at dr klinghart and and his lectures on emf and think that he's crazy but if you look at it from a historical perspective it's crazy not to think that this stuff is not affecting us after you know so many thousands or millions of years of of uh, of the human body being in an environment that is completely and totally biophysically different than what we're in right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so true, Brian. And I just you know wrapped up a big summit called the Body Electric Summit, and a big goal for me was to you know bring this information that you know we have this really it's not an esoteric idea, but it's really you know, grounded in science that we have this whole electromagnetic nature to our physical bodies and our bodies communicate with fields and magnetic energy and physics. So, you know, while this can also be healing, this can also be really unhealthy and create all these, um, you know, signals that create a lot of disruption in cell communication. And, you know, of course, we can, you know, talk about the science more and more. I know that at some point, we might touch on Dr. Marty Paul's idea around the voltage K to calcium channels and how that is, you know, a big, um, one of the biggest impacts that these fields that are, even though it's non-ionizing, non-thermal radiation, it still has this profound um, oxidative stress component that's damaging our DNA. And so, um, so no, I, I think that it's just so such important work. And as you know, my my goal is always to give people more of the science and the language and the vocabulary, so they feel really empowered and educated to talk about these things, um, which you just did. So I'm I'm really um, grateful for that. And so, Brian, you mentioned, um, you know, you mentioned six types of, you know, stress that you're looking at when you're looking at EMF. And so you touched on a few of them, but can you just go through that um, checklist as we have this conversation? So what are your six, you know, key EMFs that you're evaluating when you're really um, going into people's home and work environment? Sure. Yeah, we are looking for low frequency electric fields, which has a specific 
specific types of equipment to measure that. And then we're looking for low-frequency magnetic fields, which there's another meter that measures that called a Gauss meter. And the, the, the voltage, the electric fields, the first one, uh, that's from the wiring in your walls, things that you plug in that bring voltage closer to your body. So you're actually measuring body voltage with that one. With the magnetic fields, you're measuring it in milligauss or nanotesla. And that's just a magnetic field, like an alternating pulsating magnetic field from motors, from power lines. There can be wiring errors, uh, current running on your plumbing pipes or ventilation ducts or different pieces of, of uh, grounded or ungrounded metal in the house or your coax cable. So the first two is electric fields, magnetic fields, and then we measure the dirty electricity, which are harmonics that are riding on the electrical lines that are different frequencies, basically thousands of different types of frequencies that are on the electrical line besides what's actually running your electrical equipment. And then we also are measuring wireless frequencies, which is probably the most popular one right now to talk about with 5G and everything. And so there's different meters that measure that in various ways. We like to do a body measurement with that and measure the body as an antenna because it gives a completely and totally different picture from just having a meter that measures the air or points to the transmitters. And we're a lot more concerned about the body. And then we're measuring geopathic stress in the bedroom. That's radiation that comes up from the earth. And we're mapping out the bedroom and finding a better location or there's these mats that you can put under the bed that will actually deflect that energy out. And then we're also measuring artificial light. And so with artificial light, we're measuring the flicker rate and also the spectrum. And what we want is we want to match uh, the outdoor environment with the inside environment uh, in that case. So the spectrum of, of the, the light outside needs to match the spectrum inside at any given time during the day. And then also we, we try to make recommendations that limit or reduce or completely um, cancel out the flicker effect in your house. So you never have a flickering light because you, in nature you never would have had any flickering light besides if you're running – you're sprinting through a jungle trying to get away from a jaguar and the sunlight's flashing through the, the leaves and the trees and everything. So – Historically and ancestrally, our bodies were never meant to really experience this flickering light, and and we're you know we're always kind of trying to think of things from that perspective, because the goal is to respect our human biology and where we came from and our ancestry, and just how our bodies are supposed to work, and so those are the main six stressors that we that we that we test for, and then we have solutions, different solutions for each one. There's not one solution that covers everything. That's not the way that physics works. There's a different solution that fixes each problem that, that we find, and we customize those solutions in each home that we test. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, that's that's so helpful. And um, you know, just on the lighting component, I interviewed it was maybe last year this woman, Melena, um, who's an architect, and she is all about circadian lighting. And you know, she she touched on that a lot. And, and I did a podcast with people who are interested in diving in that topic more. Um, that's in the archive. Um, and so so Brian, so one of the biggest differences I think how you test and how you were trained is this idea that. 
um, you know, you measure the body. So can you just walk us through a little bit about how, when, what we're, what we mean when we're talking about that? There's the, um, the, there's the fields and the radiation that you're measuring in the air, which is, of course is important. But when we think about, you know, I'm obviously a naturopathic doctor, why I'm sharing this information is so people can actually feel better and recover from a chronic illness. And so this idea that our body is an antenna and how these readings can be different, just kind of walk us through these concepts because it's, it's new for a lot of people to hear this yeah definitely and it's i think that's a great question and it's it's really important to understand this because we take three different types of body measurements and they they all mean different things and so one of the body measurements that's the most popular is the electric field body voltage test and you can basically take a multimeter it's a a type of it's a piece of equipment that most electricians are very familiar with they use it for troubleshooting and you know just on any job to be testing circuits and things like that but there's a setting on there when you turn it to voltage and you can uh, ground the meter and then you can actually measure how much voltage your body is being exposed to so that's the that's a very common measurement that we take and you can take that measurement in the in the bedroom and we see anywhere from 2,000 millivolts all the way up to I've seen 40,000 millivolts uh, or 40 volts going through a person's body uh, while they're in their bedroom while they're trying to sleep. And that's that voltage is coming from wiring in the walls. And that's why a lot of people are recommending these kill switches to turn off the power in the rooms. That will reduce the voltage that's that's around to to a more healthy level. And you know you just think about the way that that is impacting the body alone. And, you know, how does electricity or voltage impact the body? You just think about, okay, well, how do we restart a heart? We use a defibrillator and you pump voltage and that contracts that heart muscle. And then, you know, what releases that? What mineral? It's magnesium. And so every time you have a contraction, you're depleting yourself of these magnesium stores. And so all night long, if you've got these uh, micro contractions going on, you're being depleted at a cellular level of magnesium all the time. And that's not even to talk about the the whole voltage gated calcium ion channels at that point, uh, you know that which we'll talk about later, I'm sure, in more depth. But that's one measurement that uh, that we take, and that's very common. Most people that are in this field they take that measurement. Another measurement that we take is the body amperage measurement, and that's something that was popularized by Sam Milhelm, and uh, and you're basically taking a body measurement for dirty electricity and ground current. And that we use the same equipment for, but on a different setting. And so we will take that reading and that is, uh, we like to see that at 0.00 in every place that we test. And we know how to fix that to, you know, even if the whole house is like that, we can fix that at least in one room, uh, unless they want to shield the whole house then we can fix it, fix it everywhere. But, um, so that's another one that a lot of people don't test. And your body voltage can be at zero, and you could still have a microamperage reading that's sky high. And that's something that the shutting off the breakers does not always fix. And and it's it's something that has to do with how dirty the ground is, and it's in pockets. It's not everywhere, like like uh, some people uh, tend to think. It's it's in pockets, and we can trace where those sources are coming from, and we can fix it no matter where. Uh, where you're at in your house or in the country. And then 
the third body measurement, which I feel like is the, the coolest one that we do, is the body measurement for the high frequency, the wireless radiation. So if you were around in the 90s or before, then you might remember having those little antennas on your television mm-hmm. and and then like going up to it like during the Super Bowl, during like like, like when your family's all there eating some kind of big party or whatever, and the reception doesn't come in. And so you have like somebody go over there, usually the tallest, lankiest person. You say, hold that antenna. And, and they hold it and the reception gets better. And then they can raise their hand or they can put like aluminum foil over the antenna to extend the antenna. But the reason that you're, when you grab it, that the reception gets better is because your skin is conductive and you're able to receive that that radio frequency, that wireless signal that's being broadcasted by the television station. And so we still have all of those signals as well as the cell phone signals and the radio signals that are coming in. And we can measure that on the body uh, with, with this special equipment that's, of course, from Germany. And when you do that, it just gives you a totally different picture of how much radiation you're being exposed to in the house. This body measurement, the Wi-Fi router doesn't even really register with the body measurement. It's these towers that are designed to come onto antennas and cause a microvoltage on the surface of your of of antennas that actually it registers and it and it treats your body as an antenna. And so we're, you know, we'll test some you know, some houses I've tested where where others have other professionals have been in and they say everything's okay. I'll go in with my meters and I'm seeing like a huge stress response uh, with with this body measurement and like a, a really big reading and and the person's still not feeling well even though they think with their meter that they, that everything is fine. And so you know I take every kind of measurement that I can to to mitigate everything. And we of course still recommend to. Uh, mitigate everything that you find in the home. But what I'm finding going around the country and now my team is is doing a lot of this as well, we're finding that most of the wireless radiation is actually coming from outside the home in because you're getting radio stations in, you're getting different cell phone reception, you're still getting television broadcasts inside the house. And it's just exponentially increasing all the time. And because of that, we need to upgrade our recommendations and what we're doing and learn to shoot ourselves and protect ourselves from all of that stuff that's penetrating into our homes and our sleeping areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's so fascinating, Brian. And so, you know, there are, you know, more and more, you know, um, again, there's more and more information about this. And so some people are, you know, grabbing some of these meters and trying to test their sleeping location and then their home. So I know that there are less expensive meters that, um, you know, any layperson can buy. Do you recommend that as, um, you know, appropriate, maybe screening tool? Or do you feel like it's just really misleading? Um, you know, how how do you advise people to, um, you know, work with those kind of more um, less expensive meters, I guess? Yeah, well, I, I actually, for a long time, I was really hesitant to recommend any, any uh, inexpensive meter just because I did feel that way. I felt like a lot of them can give you kind of a false sense of security. And but no matter what, it's it's the very best thing is to hire a professional to come into your house and and measure these things and especially if they take that body measurement but that said you can get some pretty inexpensive meters uh that will give you an idea of things around your house that you Mm -hmm. can fix uh 
And that has always been true, even with the little cheapo ones that I feel like I would give to my kids for as toys, you know, to play with and <laughs> pretend like they're like daddy testing, the, <laughs> testing the, their friends' houses and stuff. I actually have the have like little sets of meters that I give them as as toys, and they go around and play with them and say, "Daddy, there's some voltage over here coming off the wall." It's like a little little beeper like this one I have in my pocket. So, it. so it's a uh, you know that's yeah, but. A lot of the meters actually, you know, it's funny, they do look like toys. They're plastic and they're just cheaply made, but they're, they are useful, a lot of them. And there's one that I just started carrying on my website called the ESI24. And I like this one because you turn it on and it measures all, three different types of EMF simultaneously. And so it gives the layperson, somebody who's just a beginner, the idea of, okay, when I go near this, the magnetic field goes up, but the electric field and the wireless doesn't, or the electric field goes up, but the other two don't. And you kind of start to understand the nature of the different types of EMF. And that's what a lot of people don't get. They kind of, a lot of people that are just starting out with this knowledge, they they think that all EMF is the same or, or that there's one solution for everything. And they go and purchase all these different gadgets and things and try to hope that and pray and cross their fingers that, Oh, it, I hope it's going to protect me. I hope this is the right thing. But, uh, definitely purchasing a meter would be a lot better than going out and starting to purchase all the, all the solutions that, that are touted out there because there is a whole mass of things, uh, out there. It's like a, it's like a concrete jungle of, uh, you know, it, it's it's just really really difficult to find something that that is legitimate anymore out there um, that's that has the ability to measure it and see the reduction. And you know, so I, I prefer to only work with things that are measurable that you can see the reduction with with equipment. And then also, you know, I also base a lot of the things off of clinical experience of the practitioners that I work with and and the other you know colleagues of mine that I've I've heard have use things that work. And so I think that's the type of knowledge. I mean, that, I, I learned that from Dr. Klinghart. He's always, you know, has this network of practitioners all over the world and they're all trying things and learning things all together. And that's kind of how I feel with this whole EMF thing is we need to continue to try things and, and learn new things, but we also need to have some benchmarks where, where it has to be measurable. We have to be able to prove it. And that's what I appreciate about the whole ART system, which is a little off topic, but you're using labs alongside ART to confirm along the way that you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. And ART is a refining tool. And so I do a lot of ART myself. And sometimes I'll whip, whip out my skills during an assessment <laughs> if I need to. But it's a it's usually usually we have enough information with just the meters that we can we can put in a solution. And then we always do a free retest when we're back in the area to uh, to make sure that we're fine tuning and, and we got we're we're on the right track still and there's nothing that we missed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's fun that you use ART in your assessment. That's awesome. And so, are you just seeing if the body is in a stress response and um, you know when you've maybe um, moved the bed around or do you use it to identify geopathic stress? I'm I'm just curious on how you use ART. Yeah, well, we use ART a lot with the geopathic stress testing. Uh -huh. So. We have some vials, and and uh, I use a signal enhancer, and uh, actually I use the laser signal enhancer just so I can put the vials in there, mm -hmm. and then and then uh, we're able to to test using ART methods and dowsing. It's a combination of both that we use to to test the geopathic stress, and then sometimes 
you know, we're, I'm a health practitioner, so I can't help it but mm. notice things in the house. <laughs> and if I notice something that's that I think is not good for the person, I might say something, and then I just I might test them really quick and see see how this makes your muscle weak or causes the stress response or mm. or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know with ART, it's hard to do that quick, dirty ART. You kind of have to really balance the person first to test the stress response. So I try to get away from that part and just focus on the geopathic stress during the assessments and and what's at hand because we're really dealing with this big envi- these big environmental stressors and then our goal is that if somebody is seeing an ART practitioner that they can you know rule out EMF as as a problem in the mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. and say okay we had shielded healing come so we know that you've got this dialed in to their standards unless something has changed and so, you know, if that's the case, they, you know, we might have that practitioner call us back. Hey, when you're back in town, can you retest this place and just make sure that everything is as it should be? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're having some struggles here with this person getting well, and this is coming up in our ART session or, you know, things like that. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And it's so, I'm sure, so informative going in people's homes. You know, you see this whole other aspect, you know, to their lives. And, you know, you see things that, you know, we just cannot see when people come to the office. So I I think that's so wonderful that you're integrating all of this. Um, So, Brian, I, you know, I have quite, I want to, you know, keep following this idea of how we assess a home um, and how we can protect ourselves. But I want to just pause for a moment. And most people who work with us, um, you know, we share, you know, not to have Wi-Fi in the home. And, you know, some people, at least the, um, you know, the intermediate recommendation, turn the Wi-Fi off when you're not using it or turn it off at least at night. Um, But can you walk us through like your recommendations? Because that's something that, you know, we all understand Wi-Fi is a huge stress to the body. You don't need to have somebody come into your home to tell you that. So how can you really, um, how do you recommend tackling the Wi-Fi situation for people well it's actually becoming much more difficult now because so many things are coming with with wi-fi enabled or bluetooth enabled and so really what i'm recommending people do is to everybody has to have some kind of meter that measures these things in order to confirm because sometimes when things update uh the wi-fi won't turn off or it'll turn back on or you know if you're unplugging it, some t- even if you unplug it, some of these routers actually have a battery that will charge during the day. And if the power goes out, it'll still be emitting the Wi-Fi signal. Mm. And so really the only way to surefire way to get rid of your Wi-Fi is to either get rid of it altogether and get a router that doesn't have Wi-Fi or confirm with a meter continually that there's no battery in it and, you c- and it shuts off when you manually shut it off. Uh, but really what we're doing is we're kind of like hunters when we're on these assessments, we have to hunt down a bunch of signals and it's difficult sometimes because there's so much interference from the towers outside. And so we've come up with ways to do that and, you know, strategies and different ways to test and use shielding material and while, while we're testing and, and all of that, but you have to confirm all these sources and also know where to look. And so, um, that part is kind of exhilarating at times when you're on an assessment and there's a mystery signal that you can't figure out. You just kind of have to go in and, and, uh, and, you know, get all the meters out and then just like turn everything on and then you're just looking for it. But, um, like basically, yes, we turn off your Wi-Fi router, get rid of your cordless phones, uh, 
There's a lot of basics like that. The Apple TVs are emitting whether they have an Ethernet plugged into them or not. So a lot of times what we're recommending is people get some shielding fabric and they just sew a little little bag that you can put over your Apple TV, you can put over your Wi-Fi router, you can put over these things. That's a 100% solution that you're going to get a reduction in the the signal. And then, you know, placing things if you need to use it, place place them farther away from where you're using it and just make sure that you can still get connected and everything and and honestly like with with all those daytime things that you're doing you know the most important thing is the bedroom and so what i what i tell people is you know a lot of people get overwhelmed just out the out the door with all the Wi-Fi signals we're finding in the house and like turn this off or turn that off. Some things are really easy to turn off, like printers are almost always have Wi-Fi now. And if you just turn on the printer when you're using it, that's a simple solution. Um, but for a lot of people, I will just have them, we'll, we'll have them shield shield the all the Wi-Fi transmissions or have these little uh, remotes that you can get where you can flip on and off things like the Wi-Fi router from your bedroom. So anything that's plugged into this little little plug uh, has a remote with it, and when you press the off button, it'll shut off the power to the cord. So we use that a lot for smart TVs and Wi-Fi routers and other devices in the house that are on that can be turned off at night. But ideally, we wire recommend optimally to wire everything and completely get rid of those stressors during the day and then at night, we block out everything with uh, different types of shielding technology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's so helpful. And it is, you know, it is a lot more tricky, right? Um, over the last few years, just with, you know, the Xfinity routers that are, you know, people are in Comcast, you know, that are coming to people's homes and, you know, people think they're turned off, but they're not, you know, there's just a lot of uh, nuance that I think it's really important, um, you know, to be aware of. Um, and then, so Brian, um, let's shift gears a little bit and, you know, and this can apply. I, I completely agree. I totally recommend that this is completely overwhelming at times. And again, why this is a health impact is because it's cumulative exposure over time and we're just not getting those breaks anymore, especially if you're in an urban environment. So we, we really, um, you know, focus on, um, you know, creating a safe sleeping location. Um, you know, we know the brain detoxifies at bedtime. We know that the body heals and repairs at bedtime. We need that break of restorative healing time. And so that's where we like to focus. And so um, you're in the midst of, you know, upgrading Dr. Klinghart's room and, you know, shielding his room and a lot of the things that you're doing for his room, um, you know, apply to potentially someone's bedroom if someone that's going to hire a consultant who's has the same training and level of expertise as you, as you do. So can you just walk us through, um, you know, what are some of the solutions, um, you know, if people are, um, really get to take that next level of really, um, shielding and working with an expert, I do recommend and maybe have a different opinion, but if people are going to do shielding, I absolutely recommend working with an expert so that you don't, you know, make any problems worse or do anything incomplete or, um, you know, it is something that you just want somebody to shield correctly and not, um, potentially worsen the situation. Um, would you agree with that? Yes, definitely. And not just because I'm a professional, but because there's, there's things that 
that you really need to rule out before you start spending money on the shielding. And then also you have to be able to test the, the ground and make sure the ground is clean uh, when you're installing and grounding paint or even uh, testing the ground of the room if you're going to ground anything at all in the room, which you need to do some, some kind of grounding if you're going to be shielding from electric fields. And so basically what we recommend is is to do that. You know, we have there's special types of shielding paints that we recommend and we're coming out with some uh, some better products, uh, shielding products sometime this next year. And so like we're always looking to improve on everything that we're currently doing because we know that things are going to be getting worse all the time. And so I'm always on the lookout for uh, new solutions and better solutions and upgrading what we currently have. But the idea is to recreate this ancestral healing environment in the bedroom. It's, it's a it's a broken record for me. I say this all the time with this. But uh, we're essentially pulling the earth up around the sleeping area. And it, we're creating this conductive layer that bounces away the radio frequencies and has some absorptive properties to it. And then it's grounded, so it traps the electric fields behind the shielding and doesn't allow it to get on your body. And so in order to do that, though, you have to shield every single wall. You have to do the ceiling, and you have to shield the floor. You can't leave one area unshielded, even if you're on the ground floor. And so that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize and they don't have meters that are sensitive enough to to test it, and so they might recommend to shield one wall. If that's the case, um, I I wish them luck. I don't think they're going to have as good of success with with helping these people because if you shield one wall, there could be a 5G transmitter installed on the other side, and it could be bouncing off that wall and going right to the person. And so you know, and that's that. Even in any case, even if it did improve the reading, that's still not an ancestral environment. You're still getting bombarded from the other sides everywhere. So we recommend to, you know, I, I do a lot of home build consults for new construction too. And there's things you can do from the ground up to, and materials you can use, window, specific types of windows you can use, and, and ways to wire a house, certain breakers to use, all of these things that can combine to help create a more ancestral stress-free environment and then so that's really the strategy in the bedroom and there's special shielding fabrics that we've kind of upgraded most of the shielding fabrics have stayed the same over the last 10 or 15 years we finally sourced some that are higher attenuating we've tested them all the way up to 40 gigahertz which is a lot of the 5g frequencies that are being used so there's you know no matter what you do get a professional to help you design that shielding space, insist that they shield every wall and the ceiling and the floor. Don't take no for an answer with that. Um, you know, whether you hire us or someone else, just, you know, we won't, we won't do it any other way, but you know, don't take no for an answer. If you do hire somebody say, this is what I want to do. This is the protocol. This is the course of action to take. And if you do that, you should be pretty well off, but you do have to rule out some other things in there in order to, to know that, that's actually going to be a healthy space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that that's such great, you know, information. And again, um, my goal today is to really, you know, 
um, have people just have this next level of understanding of what we're trying to accomplish. And it's not just, you know, shielding a wall or putting a pendant on your body, or maybe sometimes turning your Wi-Fi off, you know, it's, you know, there are these multiple factors at play and you really have to um, think about it. And from all of these different angles and, um, you know, I know we've emailed a little bit, Brian, and I know this conversation probably comes up all the time with you, but there's a lot of these technologies now that, um, are what we call, would just blanketly call harmonizers, right? So these things that um, are supposed to um, potentially um, make the EMF environment less harmful to the physical body. So do you have any um, just kind of cautions or feedback if people are trying to um, use these as part of their EMF mitigation strategies? So they're like pendants, right, that people can wear or, you know, different things that they can put on their desk or, you know, um, what what is your experience? Well, I've learned real quick in this field not to uh, call out any specific products, but I could speak about it generally. So I, I kind of have this feeling that I, I really think that the first step anybody should take is the shielding strategies Mm -hmm. and limiting their exposure, uh, easy, low-hanging fruit. And then, like, if you're going to do something like a pendant or a harmonizer type of technology, I've never had any measurements that show that those things actually work Mm -hmm. with any of of my equipment. Like, I've got maybe $15,000, $20,000 worth of equipment that I've gone through and measured these things, and and a lot of... Most of those products, I've never seen a difference. Uh, but that said, I am—I do believe in in energy work and healing work, and I do believe that that minerals have different healing properties that they that, that are potential potential that can happen. But what I what I see with that is that it's it's not going to be much different than taking an herb or a supplement that supports the body. And so other than maybe giving you some kind of uh, some kind of mental edge and, you know, kind of like the biology of belief, if you've read Bruce Lipton, it gives you this this uh, almost a placebo effect that, hey, this thing is protecting me. But I could give somebody like any object and say, tell them that something is going to protect them and the power of suggestion would speak to them and and, you know, and help help them physiologically in some way. So there there may be some legitimacy to some of these things and you know I don't claim to know everything and there's probably a meter that could be made someday in the future that could mm-hmm. measure something but uh, a lot of these things you can't measure anything and so I, I kind of also wonder how do you calibrate something and make sure that it's healthy if you can't even measure it and so I, I look at that kind of as my gold standard of if you can measure it and you see a reduction then then okay but even that you have to be careful because there's videos online of showing pendants that show a reduction and all it is is a little electric field meter and you put your hand in front of it and and it shows the voltage reducing, but that's because you're just measuring the difference in voltage between your hand, where your hand is that's holding the pendant mm-hmm. or the sticker or whatever, and your other hand. Mm-hmm. And there's no there's no voltage difference between your one hand and the other hand. It's the same. So it's going to be zero no matter if you have the pendant there or you just put your hand in front of the meter. And so there's there's a lot of those videos circulating on social media with this little black meter with a, with a red button. And showing like the voltage go down when the magical 
mm-hmm. like pendant or sticker or whatever it is 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 in front. But really, it's just a trick. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's not not really making anything go down. So um, if people are using those, I don't tell them to stop using mm-hmm. them because if they feel like it's helping them, then uh, you know I don't tell people to stop using something that they feel like is working for them. Mm-hmm. But then again. There's that uh, famous story that Dr. Klinghart talks about with the study on the chickens where, mm-hmm. where they, they were cowering in the corner when they were exposed to the electric fields, but the harmonizer, all these chickens were really robust and lively and laying twice as many eggs, but then they died twice as quickly, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you balance those two, <laughs> two things? And I, I would just say, if you're going to do something like that, make that a third step, not a mm-hmm. first or second step, mm-hmm. uh, make something that you do after all the things that we've talked about so far. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's really important, like you were saying earlier, to you know, our, our priority system with Shielded Healing is to first focus on all of the areas where your body is supposed to be in that parasympathetic state, that healing state, the yin state. Um, and, and when you do that, you're, you think about there's three main areas. It's when you're sleeping, when you're eating, and when you're detoxing. And so that means it's very important. Your sleeping location is is paramount, and then also where you eat is 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 very important. So often I'll recommend people uh, go ahead and eat in your living room. If your living room is low EMF or you can shield it, that's great. But if you're if you're eating there, go digest in your shielded space. If you've got a shielded mm-hmm. sleeping area, go read a book for half an hour or an hour while you're digesting your food. And then while you're detoxing, it's very important to be free of stressors so that your body can focus on, uh, like with sauna, you want to focus on the, the heat shock protein stress and not any other stress. That way your body can put all the energy into getting rid of the, the toxins that are inside your body by sweating them out and, uh, and receiving that, like if it's a light sauna or you have some near-infrared therapy, they're receiving that photobiomodulation so that you're receiving the full benefits of that without any of the stressors that are uh, that are typically in in a lot of the the saunas that claim to be low EMF. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that that and we should go in there. I, let's go there for a moment. But I I totally um, appreciate what you just said about you know the harmonizers, the pendants, and I agree. Like there could be some you know maybe unknown healing effect that we can't measure measure, but that does not. Um, supersede or negate any of the things that we just said about because we know that there is a real physiological effect of these fields um, and this, you know, energy if it's not, um, if, if you're in it all day long, whether or not you feel it or not, right? So I, I think that's Definitely. really important. Um, so let's jump into the, you know, the the sauna conversation, right? You know, we, um, you know, we recommend um, sauna therapy, you know, sweating has a huge impact, you know, for our physical health and our detoxification. And then, you know, as my knowledge base has grown um, about Jerry Pollock's work and understanding this whole fundamental idea of exclusion zone water in our cells and mm-hmm. how that is just foundational really to health. You know, I think ultimately our health is a result of how much exclusion zone water is in our body. And I think everything that you're doing and you just mentioned has that impact on that, um, you know, part of our body as well. But, um, you know, so then we have all these different types of part of the electromagnetic spectrum with photobiomodulation to help 
um, you know, I think on some level just improve our exclusion zone water, but um, there's a lot of, I guess, um, technologies and a lot of claims around, um, you know, this sauna's lowing up or no, this one isn't, but what's your experience? I mean, I know I don't want to put you on the spot for brands, whatever you feel comfortable with, but maybe, maybe from the <laughs> perspective of what you endorse, I guess, would be a, a more politically correct way of, <laughs> of doing this. Mm. Yeah, well, when I when I started testing people's houses, it was inevitable that I would test their sauna. Everybody's wondering about, is my sauna okay? You know? So so I started doing some videos. I have a few videos on the Shield of Healing Facebook page of different saunas that I had tested early on. But I had to stop taking those videos because I was getting calls from these sauna companies saying, oh, this is you're showing my saunas really high in EMF and it's supposed to be low. And I'm like, well... It, it isn't low because I'm testing not just one thing. I'm testing all the different types of uh, EMF radiation. And some of them your sauna is producing. Others it's not so much. But most of the sauna companies that say they're low EMF are just talking about magnetic fields. They're not talking about electric fields or dirty electricity or the radio frequencies that are penetrating into the sauna through the wood panels because there's no shielding whatsoever in there and so you're getting blasted from wi-fi and some saunas even have bluetooth Mm -hmm. and then uh you're also getting all the cell phone towers and radio tower frequencies that are blasting in there disrupting your uh parasympathetic healing and detoxification state that you're supposed to be diving into and so i was kind of on the lookout for a company that i could work with for a long time and since since i worked with this first company which was uh I approached this company at a, at a conference. I think it was at Paleo Effects and then also at the Nutritional Therapy Conference. And I, I bring all my equipment with me and I, I say, hey, can I measure your sauna? And like most of these companies would be like, uh, no, I don't, want, I don't want to do that. But this one guy who had these tent saunas, his name is Brian Richards. He has the company Sauna Space. And I asked him, and he's like, yeah. And he's like, come on in. And so he we go in there and we sit on these two stools and we're looking at that and 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 he's like telling me about the sauna and I'm like oh this is great and I loved that there was a tent because I was I already had some ideas rolling around in my head and so what we did was was uh you know I I showed him the measurement he already had like a shielded power cord in the back so that was already shielded and uh but there was still some stuff coming off the front of the of the sauna and so I showed him with my meter and, and he was like, oh, it actually looks pretty low. And then I measured his body, and he's like, whoa, that's actually really high still. And I was like, well, if you ground these guards, then that takes care of that field that's coming out from there. So all the guards are grounded now. And then we also, you know, I worked with them to to help mitigate the rest of the electric fields in their whole panel. And then we incorporated a whole Faraday model where we incorporated shielding in the entire sauna so the entire sauna is protected from radio frequency radiation and it's all grounded so there's no electric field suit so it's basically the same concept that we take in the bedroom put into this portable sauna Mm -hmm. that you can you can just pop up and have it in in your house and it's more than a sauna though because now people are using them for as a break to get away from the emf stress Mm -hmm. you don't you don't have to turn the lamps on. You can just go in there and and relax and be EMF free and read a book or digest take a your nap. Food. <laughs> take, take a nap. You'd have to curl up a little bit in like a fetal position to do that. But some people do that anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
you know that that's the company I can fully endorse because I've actually consulted with them to to shield their saunas, and there's a few more that are trying to uh, to that. Some a few of the cabinet sauna companies that are that are lower uh, electric fields, and uh, n- none that I know of has attempted to shield the the wireless radiation yet. But um, you yeah. just find a company that's look looking to shield the magnetic fields and the electric fields with the cabinet sauna style companies. And that's a totally different therapy than the near infrared. It's far infrared. I kind of, you know, don't like to get too much into that debate, but it, to me in my stance, like right now where I see it, I, I feel like the near infrared therapy is a superior therapy. It's more ancestral. The, you know, it's 40% emitted from those, those bulbs with sauna space and in, in the near infrared lamps. And you get about 43% near infrared from the sun and then it's light and heat together, just like the sun is light and heat. So it feels like it's more of an ancestral mm-hmm. type of therapy, and you're getting photobiomodulation and sauna in an EMF-free space. So it's hitting three different things, and there's no flicker stress from the lights. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the saunas are also have the LED lights that are flickering, or there's lights. It's a glass uh, door, and there's lights outside that could potentially be shining in and causing a stress response to the nervous system. So. Mm-hmm. That's the one I can say I fully endorse. There's nice. others out there that are trying, and I think any sauna therapy that you do is good, could have a net benefit, but my feeling is that a lot of products out there that are meant for health can definitely be improved by mitigating the stressors and, and all that they're producing while also having that beneficial therapy. And that goes for sauna. It could go for any PEMF device or anything that you plug into the wall. It could be improved if they got rid of the EMF stress, because then the, any healing response is usually a parasympathetic response. And so if you can reduce the stress and not add any stress in your product, mm-hmm. then, then your product's going to work a lot better and your customers are going to be happier. And it's, you know, I, I think that's the future of things. And I'd be happy if anybody's listening to this, who has a product, <laughs> help me, help me shield your product, and it, you know, I, I want more of this to happen. I want there to be like I want us to be. I want to be able to go to the store and have a blender with a shielded cord that I don't have to worry about ha- causing electric fields in my shielded house. Mm-hmm. So I, I think in this. the future, all of those things will 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 be that way. But we just have to continue to do things like like uh, Sophia is doing, what you're doing, and uh, and you know get the word out about this and continue to push this this idea that these EMFs are a big physiological stressor. It's proven. There's so many studies to show this. There's so much anecdotal evidence to show this, personal experiences, clinical evidence, everything. It's all there. We just have to not ignore it and not, not uh, you know, be bashful about sharing it, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I, I love this. And I, I didn't know that you work that closely with Swan and Space. I have the um, Photon sitting on my desk here, um, Dr. Mercola, he's, um, you know, a friend and he recommended this as well. So do you know, Dr. Mercola, have you worked with him yet? Um, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah, that's what I, I figured. So I, I figured you probably have these conversations. He's coming out with a new book, um, about EMF, which I was able to read. Um, and yeah, the, he put a lot of great information and probably, um, linked to you as well, I'm sure in his resources, but, um, but no, the sauna space, I've been really loving it. And then as you talk, Brian. I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about the bedroom being a, um, a safe haven, but I, I think you're absolutely opening our minds to, you know, these therapies and these tools. How do we create these other 
kind of healing havens that people can go in um, throughout the day to, to get even not only the therapy that they're getting, but in this, you know, um, you know, EMF ancestral space, uh, you know, EMF free ancestral space. And so I, I think that's a really, um, I hadn't thought about that yet. So I, I think that's a really wonderful idea. And I'm, I'm glad you're, um, you're ahead of the curve there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. It's it's you know it's exhilarating to me to be able to to be in this field and work with practitioners and kind of help people raise these standards so that we can help people heal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, I I know that we could probably talk all day, and I you know I think we've given um you know our listeners you know a lot to digest here, and you know before I want people to um, of course learn about where to find you and your team and all of that, um, I think it would be fun to you know end on maybe just any anecdotal you know experience, any you know patient experience or client experience that. Um, you know, you really um, saw, you know, a benefit in their health from the work that you do, just so people could maybe, you know, just, um, you know, put that intention for their own health if they're struggling out there and know what's possible for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there's a lot of stories that I could tell about this. Um, uh, there's one in particular, though, that I'll, I'll share. Um, there's a colleague of mine who recently shielded her home, and uh, she had been uh the a few days like the first two nights that she slept in her shielded room uh she started getting you know her heartbeat was was uh she was getting heart palpitations her temperature was rising and she's getting all these hyperthyroid symptoms and then she realized after those two two nights like oh i'm getting hyperthyroid symptoms and i'm hypothyroid i have hypothyroidism and so she stopped taking her thyroid glandular and then all those symptoms went away. Oh my gosh. So within one night <laughs> of sleeping in a shielded room, she got off her thyroid glandular and did not need it anymore. It's like something clicked within her innate, innate intelligence and said, I don't need this anymore. My metabolism is able to keep up now and regulate because I don't have to I don't have to uh be be pumping out a, a higher metabolism in order to deal with these stressors. I can downregulate everything, and I and we're fine, you know. And 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 I have enough uh, energy, enough uh, thyroid hormone, or you know whichever hormone it was. Whatever happened, it balanced her. And I think that sometimes we make it so complicated when all it is is really a stressor that's out there that we just need to mitigate and take care of and sleep in that shielded space, you know, night sweats have gone away, buzzing and ringing in the ears have gone away overnight. Uh, there's, there's so many different things and there's some, sometimes people will get healing reactions after having a shielded space, but, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing what the body can do when we give it the chance to heal, which the body always heals at night. It doesn't heal just magically after you eat something mm -hmm. or take a supplement. It's actually doing all that work at night. It's the time when our body chooses to do the the healing and the detoxing and all, all the restorative work. So I think, I think that's so important. And, and that's, that's, you know, the stories like that are the ones that I, I really love to hear. And that's why I do what I do. I want to, I want to help people in that way. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. And, you know, so many people have thyroid issues, right? These days. And when you think about 
you know, our thyroid glands and in front of the computer and the phone and, you know, all of that, that just, yeah, that, that makes so much sense. And that it was, you know, I love what you said. It's just like, sometimes, especially when we're in the trenches, we can think healing is so hard and it takes so much work, but it also might, you know, not be as hard as, uh, as we can control for these really, um, yeah, these really fundamental stressors to our physiology in which we're learning more and more that EMF is that. So, well, Brian, um, I'm so excited to continue to collaborate and work with you. And I'm grateful for all the work that you're doing at Sophia and Dr. Klinghart. As we're recording this, he's going to come back to his newly shielded room. And I think he's so excited to see, you know, how that's going to translate to his work um, since he's, you know, working with ART and a lot of energy medicine to see how that improves the results um, that he gets with patients. So thank you for doing this work and being on this journey with us. And for people who want to learn more about you and your company and your team, um, where do they find you and how can they work um, with either yourself or one of your team members? Yeah, they can check out our website, shieldedhealing.com. And then we also have a Facebook group called Shielded Healing for Beginners. So if you're on Facebook, you can look that up and join the group. That's a public group. And I often answer questions in there and people are learning together. And it's a, it's a really great community. And then, uh, you know, follow us on the Facebook page as well. But those are, those are the main areas. And then we travel all over the country, uh, all over the United States. Uh, had many requests for things out of the country in Canada and Mexico and, and overseas, but haven't gone there yet. We just have so much work to do here in the United States. So I've got consultants in, uh, in California, in Ohio, in, um, in Arizona. And then, you know, we travel often to Washington state, Oregon, Pacific Northwest, Texas. We go everywhere, wherever people need us. We, we, we schedule tours and we go there. So don't, don't feel bashful if you live in the middle of, uh, New Mexico. I have a guy that I'm training right now that's a truck driver, and he'll go right past your house at some point if I ask him to. So, uh, you know, we, we're trying to help everybody, and, and don't let that be a burden on, on you if you live somewhere very rural and out in the boonies. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. And do you have a training program, or do you have people contact you? How do if people are listening and like, oh my gosh, I want to learn from Brian and do this work, how do they, how do they find you? Well, they can they can send an email to info at shieldedhealing.com. Uh, I I kind of have a small elite team that I, I've trained right now, and I've closed that off. But I know that I'm going to have to train some more people here in the near future. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I've got a little bit different model uh, of of training than than some of the other professionals in this. I, I want to have a little more control. I go over every uh, EMF assessment personally myself and look over the numbers and the shielding recommendations. So Mm. I just want to be able to hold things accountable and, and make sure that we're treating everybody with the highest priority. So Mm. I really admire that. I know that's only more work for you. So I think that that's really wonderful that you're, you know, keeping such a high standard for yourself and your team. I think that's, yeah, that's awesome. So, um, well, Brian, I am so grateful for your time today. Um, I know it's late where you are. It's Friday night as we do this. And I am, again, so grateful to share this with our community. And I'm sure we'll be speaking more. And I'm, I'm happy to, I know that we do a lot of education around this work. And I'm, I'm going to definitely, um, you know, try to rope you into doing more of these talks because um, you're just such a wealth of knowledge. So thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you. 
Thanks everyone. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation today with Brian Hoyer. Please check out his website, shieldedhealing.com. He does wonderful work. He just upgraded our shielding for Dr. Klinghart's room at uh, Sophia Health Institute. And I'm excited to continue to collaborate with him and learn more. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast today.